Hi folks, it's Eric from the Inform Patient Radio Show. I'd like to tell you about some new friends of ours. Grateful Naturals. Pure Botanical Skin Care, headed up by Monica Mayer. They can be found on the web at gratefulnaturals.com. That's gratefulnaturals.com. Or give them a call at 323-379-4553. Today's healthcare can be confusing, frustrating, and at times downright scary. Here to help with clearing up the confusion, putting an end to the frustration, and making it a lot less scary. Here from Los Angeles are your hosts, Eric and Roy, on the Informed Patient Radio Show. Welcome to the Informed Patient Radio Show, and we are your hosts, Eric and Roy. And today's guest is Georgina Gradle. Georgina comes to us from a large medical group here in Southern California, and she is an ambulatory case manager, similar similar to what Roy and I do, but she does it more in the ambulatory uh, uh, side of the house, which deals more with the outpatient side. So we're going to talk to Georgina regarding specifically the HMO referral process. We're going to dispel some myths uh, regarding the HMO because there's a lot of swirling information out there that might not be correct. So we're going to seek her knowledge and we're going to learn together uh, all about the HMO process. So welcome to the show, Georgina. Thank you. All right. So um, how long have you been in your current position at the medical group? Um, almost eight years. Almost eight years uh-huh. in ambulatory case management. Yes. Uh-huh. And specifically, what do you normally do during the day? Um, I review um, requests that come from our physicians in the right. group and also from outside physicians. Oh, okay. Whether it's uh, going to be approved or taken to a another process mm-hmm. to be uh, reviewed by a medical director. Okay. So the process as far as that Roy and I understand is with the HMO, <clears throat> sorry, there is a gatekeeper or a, a primary care doctor. And with that, uh, they help you with your everyday problems. But if they feel that a specialist or a special procedure or a special medication is needed to help you know further your care, they put in a request. Correct. And the request eventually makes it to your desk. Correct. Correct. And uh, that's where I think our listeners don't quite probably understand what happens after that. There's a lot of information out there that the HMO is just looking to save a dollar and will just, you know, just can't wait to disprove anything or just, you know, say, no, denied, you know, try again. Thanks for playing. So we like to say, so the so the request is made and it goes across your desk. If you can kind of walk us through the entire process and why is it actually advantageous for the patient plus the medical group to do this process? Um, usually, I mean, we have, there's different requests come from, like it could be medication, it mm-hmm. could be a, um, a piece of equipment, right. which is a DMA item, right. or it could be to an ISF physician or to tertiary centers mm-hmm. or for surgery, could right. be just about anything. All our requests are sent in and they all go into a queue. Okay. And we each have a queue that we work from. And okay. of course, we work on the 
the um, latest ones. We have to, we are governed by a timeline from the health plan. Okay. So usually they have to, we have to turn around that request in five days. Um, it depends if it's a senior, it can mm-hmm. be up to 14 days, but we like our timeline to be at least by 10 days. Oh, okay. So we are, like I said, governed by the health plan to turn around those, those, um, authorizations. Okay. So, um, if we need to pay, if we need to review the requests and we need a longer time or we need it reviewed by an outside physician, mm-hmm. um, we send letters to the patients to let them know that, you know, we have your request here, but it's okay. been reviewed. Okay. And so, uh, then we review the request. If we can approve it, we do. If it's to the right place with the right physician, um, then we, then we approve it. Right. If it's a, one where we're not sure we can approve it, all it goes into right. another queue, and it gets pended for a committee case. And mm-hmm. then the, or we have med, two medical directors that come twice a week and review that. If they review it and they think that it needs to be reviewed by a bigger party, which mm-hmm. is um, you know more physicians, then we pend it to go to committee, which is once a week on a Wednesday. Okay. And then we have a whole lot of physicians there, PCPs, ortho, orthopedic doctors, um, right. surgeons, and they, they'll they help review that case and okay. make a decision. Right. And so, but before it gets to committee, uh, if the request comes through your desk, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you'll bounce it out, like you'll determine whether the patient has like Blue Cross or Blue Shield uh-huh. or Cigna. And they have their own set of guidelines that you bounce the clinical off the guidelines that they set forth, the health plan. Correct. All right. And so if there's, if it's ambiguous or it's, does, you, you can't make a determination whether or not, or maybe there's no guideline. That could, at that sometimes, too, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So you have the discretion to bring this to a medical director, a medical doctor, correct? That can sit there and look at the chart, look maybe at the guidelines if there are any, and then kind of see if it's advantageous. You know, if it would really actually better suit the patient to have it or not. And if he can't or he or she cannot make the decision, then he can kick it up higher, which would be a group of practitioners, correct? That can be collectively go over the case. And try to figure out what would be the best interest for the patient, correct? Correct. Now, during these committees, have you ever heard them ever say, what would be uh, better for us so we could save more money? Have you ever heard of them no. say that? So, no. Right. Uh, so, and, and in these committees, do you sometimes see the collective, you know, bunch of practitioners, do they sometimes maybe come up with even better alternative yeah, for the yeah, patient? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because you have all the input from all the physicians. So... Yeah, sometimes what's being asked for may not be the correct thing for the patient. Sometimes patients have requests too that, oh, okay. yeah, which are not the right requests. So oh, sometimes yeah. they, they're they not sure what they need and they ask for it. And we're like, why did, why did the patient ask for that? Mm-hmm. And sometimes we come up with a better answer for the patient. So, right. Yeah. Like, like I can tell the audience that in my uh, stint in uh, ambulatory case management, I had the privilege of sitting in on these committees uh, a couple times. And one time I was very impressed that a patient was complaining of like uh, a, a chest pain, but it was, they felt it was more muscular and they, they were talking about doing MRIs and other things like that until one of the orthopedic surgeons raised their hand and said, you know, have we ever considered maybe sending this patient to a chiropractor? 
And the reason in his rationale was a rib could be a little bit displaced in the back that it gets where it comes next to the spinal column. And he said, if it, if it's just out of alignment, it can cause muscle pain throughout the rib and that can cause chest pain. And so I was very impressed by that. And the committee said, Hey, that sounds about right. Let's go ahead and authorize a couple visits with a chiropractor and see if that happens. So what I want the audience to understand is these committees really try to come up with alternatives or try to really think through the case and try to come up with a better, you know, plan for the patient. So that can give a nice little example of what these committees are actually formed to do. True. You know, Correct. Versus yes. the myth out there that there are a bunch of men with black hats and handlebar mustaches saying, yeah, uh, uh-uh, how do we uh, just, you know, screw people out of money or yeah. something like that. Uh, Georgina, you were talking about the time frame on processing these requests. And so I, I understand that there's also um, urgent requests sometimes yeah. too. And yeah. can you highlight us a little bit on that for the audience about uh, how that works and what the time frame would be on, on an urgent for request? For an urgent request, our time is um, three days. That means that we approve it, but whoever called for this urgent request or sent it in, they have three days to set the patient up for an appointment. Okay. That's business days? Yes. Three business days. Yeah. Okay. Actually, no. No. Weekends are included on urgents. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, wow. So if the patient wants something on Monday, uh, sorry, Friday, you better make the appointment for the Monday for sure because Saturday and Sunday is counted. I see. Yes. Okay. And does that go to a special committee? Who, who can approve a, a, a If the patient meets the guidelines, then it's approved. Of course, if not, then we need more time to review it. Depends what the request is. We would call the the provider who sent the request in and ask them if we can bump it down to just a routine until we find out the information we need. I see. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we also call the provider who have sent it in and said, can we downgrade this to just a routine for now and then work on it on Monday or what? Or, yeah, depends on what the, the request is. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm sure there's times where a provider will put in a request and you bounce it off the guidelines and the guidelines will basically maybe, you know, whether it's on your end and you see that clearly doesn't match the health care plan or the health plan's guidelines. So it has to be denied or it goes to the medical director and gets denied or it goes to the committee and they say, gee whiz, you know, it just really doesn't seem like the, the way this should go. So I'm sorry, we have to deny it. Uh, but the primary care or the referring doctor who wants it, I'm sure sometimes they'll feel strongly about it and say, or the, or the patient will feel strongly about it that, no, I think we really need to go that route. What is the recourse for the, for the provider who is requesting or the, for the patient themselves? What can they do if they're really not agreeing with the denial? Um, the patient, when the patient gets the denial letter, mm-hmm. they um, they can contact the insurance okay. and talk to them if they don't agree with it. Okay, and then they can appeal it. They can appeal yeah, it. Yeah, they can appeal. Okay, yeah. And uh, every every denial that goes to the patient, there's a letter in different languages hmm. there, so they understand they can appeal it. Right. So then it will it'll go to the health plan. Then it'll come back to us for another review. Okay. If we decide we're going to stick with the denial that we because sometimes. 
sometimes you gather more information that we didn't have at the time of the oh, denial. Right. So then, yeah, that's a slam dunk. We could approve it. Okay. If, the, if this meets the guideline with the new information, mm-hmm. we can just do it. Right. So um, then if it's a, a provider appeal, mm-hmm. same process. Same process. Yeah. Okay. If you, got, if you have more information for us to look at, you know, bring it over and we'll look at it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. And now, because sometimes could the health plan themselves kind of look at it and say, yeah, hey, you know what, this, we'll, we're okay with this. We get approved. Yeah. Then you just, you can, that is just that, if you get that, you guys have to run with it or well, how's that if work? Well, if something's denied and it's appeal and the health plan overturns it mm-hmm. and the, um, our, our uh, medical directors don't agree with it, okay. like they're totally against it. Then they can, they'll call each other and talk to each so other. So it'll be a peer to peer talk? Yeah. Okay. Because sometimes the health plans overturn um, stuff that's just not a covered benefit. Oh. You know, be like, that's just not, and they'll overturn it. And we're like, well, then sometimes they end up paying for it. Right. As oh, well. okay. Yeah. The health yeah. plan. The health for plan it. will pay for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are some stuff, there are, there are some things that could be requested by the patient or the provider. That could be classified under experimental, right? Mm, with some of the health plans or investigational, yeah. right? Okay, the process for that is that everything has to be sent to the health plan. Okay, the request, the copy of the um, the uh, medical records, mm-hmm. and the um, the uh, what am I trying to say here? The uh, the request itself? No, or? no, the. Um, <laughs> The benefit. Or okay. The, uh, yeah. All, right. all that has to be – the guidelines. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. The guidelines. The, all that has to be sent to the health plan. They have, I think – gosh, they have, I think, 72 hours to make Oh, the, so they have a time yeah. time yeah. limit before yeah. they render a decision. Yeah. exactly. And then if they say, okay, they pay for the uh, – Yeah. It if comes it's out experimental, no, we pay for it. They oh, okay. just they just overturned. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. And um, is there times where sometimes in with one health health plan's guidelines, say investigational, where another health plan could say, no, we're 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 fine with that. Yeah, we don't consider it investigational. Yeah. That uh-huh. can that can that happen happens, too. Yeah, not very often, but it does. But happen. it does happen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So, so what's nice about it, hopefully our audience is understanding that the HMO process, um, from what I've seen examine-wise, seems like a fair process. Um, it's trying to keep the patient safe, trying to keep the patient in the right, going in the right direction. Yes, to the right place. Right. Because we don't want our patients to get sent a bill. Right, yes. Because we sent them to the wrong place. So, yeah, yeah that all has to be, yeah, because contracts and... Um, health plans, they all have to match up. Because yeah. I know when uh, there's some, like I said, there's been information, you know, spread about the, or it was just wrong information regarding the HMO. So it seemed like the PPO became all the rage. You had full control. I can go see anybody I want to. I can go see a cardiologist if I want to. I don't need a referral, all that kind of stuff. But what people I think don't realize is you kind of pay for that mm-hmm. in terms of a deductible copay for the privilege of managing Make your, your own, own care. Own care, yeah. And I would imagine they could probably send themselves to the wrong practitioner. Who yeah, that will, could happen, yeah. Who will gladly take their their, their copay uh-huh. and then just turn around and around and say, Plus the pay, yeah. And plus the pay, and then say, well, I'm, I'm not really the practitioner for the, your, your problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you're like, what do I do now? Uh, so 
Um, so do you see any other advantages that I haven't really talked about for the HMO? Uh, I think HMOs manage every aspect of the care because, like you said, you don't want the patient going to the wrong physician. Right. And a lot of times patients don't know. Mm -hmm. They're not informed. Right. So it's up up to us to make sure they go to the right place with the right doctor for the right um, care. Yeah. Exactly. Right care. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that is good. And there's the, the gatekeeper or the primary care Which doctor is, is kind of like yeah. is responsible for doing that. But today's and also today's uh, HMO, they're getting to, uh, well, like I talked about in my book, the patient-centered medical home is mm-hmm. becoming uh, more popular. And where with the HMO process, I noticed uh, in my time dealing with them, they tend to also try to think outside the box on how like to help the patient manage their care more at home, trying to reduce their mm-hmm. their ER visit or, or going into the hospital. Because if somebody goes into the hospital, that means that something happened with the care. Were they taking their medication? They stopped taking the medications. Why did their symptoms get worse and they have to go to the hospital? Mm-hmm. So it looks like the HMO's task is really how do we help the patient and keep the patient okay, comfortable, decrease of symptoms so they stay out of the hospital. So I think staying out of the hospital is a good thing, of course, not compromising safety. Right. So you're starting to see that more as a trend? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, we have a program where I work uh-huh. for that, yeah. Oh, okay. There's two or three physicians are on that, yeah. yeah. Isn't that also inclusive with the patients that are admitted uh, within 30 days? Or do I know they have programs where – they're looking at yeah, that closer. Yeah, where they call the patient, say what happened, and try to figure out what, how how did the patient end up in the hospital. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and correct the whatever happened. Yeah, correct. You get, yeah. Sometimes you get patients that are admitted time after time and for, for the, the for the same, same thing, and yeah. it was something that was could have been preventable. Yeah, and all that, exactly. So. And yeah. with the PPOs, are like, well, you're going to pay twenty yeah, percent. We're okay right. with that, but the, I guess if the if, if for managed care, they they have a they have the task of trying to really manage the care for the patient and really give that extra help in a little TLC, correct? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that's so we just uh, I think technically we scratched the surface of the HMO. Mm-hmm. And uh we were wondering if you would be willing to come back again and help, you know, sort things out with the HMO uh sure. process and other things like that, especially if we wanted to do more of a deeper dive. Would you be up to coming back to the show? Yeah, sure. Oh, we'll do, yes. All right. Yeah. So on behalf of Roy and I, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show and just giving the information you've given. I think it's been a, a big help, and I think people listening are going to learn a lot so far. And we lo- don't mind talking about it again. Okay. Glad to help. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, that was Georgina Gradle, everybody, and we'd like to thank her again. And thank you for tuning in to the Informed Patient Radio Show. You have been listening to the Informed Patient Radio Show with Eric and Roy. For more information, please visit us at informedpt.com. Tune in next time for more information regarding the healthcare system and how it affects all of us.